Have you ever been placed in charge of an impossible task? How'd you handle it? Where did you go for advice? Was there a friend or a mentor that spoke truth into your life? Imagine with me that you're 15 or 16 years old and a traveling preacher comes through your area and he does some great and amazing things and people get saved, but because you're known as a good student and you're a believer and your family are believers, he takes you with him when he leaves. And you travel around with him for 10 to 12 years and you see miracles that he performs and you see countless individuals come to the faith and you see all the great things that are there but you also see the struggles and the trials and you see him get stoned you see him get bitten by snakes you see all this different stuff happening and then he decides to plant a church or a headquarters for a ministry in a port city a gateway if you would to a whole other mission field and he leaves you at the age of 28 to 30 years old to lead the church in this city that is the story of a young man named Timothy. His impossible task was leading the church in Ephesus. It was a huge church. It was the headquarters at that time of the apostolic mission in all of the Roman world. Because if you look at Ephesus on a map, Ephesus is the jumping off point to Laodicea. And to all those seven churches that are written letters there in, in the book of Revelation... That's a circle. It starts right there. All those places. That's where the port was. That's where the jumping off place was. And it was a key port city in the Roman Empire. And there are lots of challenges in this city. One of the challenges was there was very synchristic religion. Um, that means it's a melting pot. In Ephesus, you have what they know as the Ephesian Artemis. So Artemis, in, in Roman gods, in the Roman mythology, she was the huntress. She was this, this very powerful woman. Then you had the woman goddess that was there that somehow got merged together. And so she sees something somewhat different. There are some very adult overtones to the statues of her. There are some things going on there. And it's a, it, there are lots of idols. And the temple of Artemis is there in the middle of Ephesus. It's the biggest place you can imagine. There are um, replicas of it built, one over in, in Nashville. There are things that have always been there that were in the center of the city. And not only that, religion was money. People came to the temple. The temple was literally the bank for all of Ephesus. So people would put their money in the temple, and they would sell these little uh, cast silver and bronze statues of, of the Ephesian Artemis, and all these things that happened. So... If you take away the worshipers of Artemis, you take away the bottom line of religion in that town. And not only that, it was a port city. Uh, port cities, even today, aren't known to be the safest places to go. Port cities are sometimes what we think of when we think about Las Vegas on steroids. They're sent everywhere. Anything that you want, you can get, and people are, are usually involved in it. And that is where this 28 to 30 year old young man was put to lead the church. This is the situation that Timothy was trying to lead the church and he had to choose leaders for that church. He had to choose people from Ephesus to lead the church, to help with leading, to help with doing the work of ministry from this group of people. And into this situation, Paul writes instructions for choosing church leaders. Now we are 
uh, in the next few weeks, months, whatever it takes, going to be choosing deacons, new deacons in our church. And this morning we are going to look at what is typically put in Bibles as the qualifications for deacons over in 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to look at the question this morning. We looked last week at what is a deacon. Today we're looking at who is a deacon. And there in 1 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 8, it says, Deacons likewise should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of faith with a clear conscience, and they must also be tested first. If they can prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. Wives, too, must be worthy of respect, not slanderers, self-controlled, faithful in everything. Deacons must be husbands of one wife, managing their children and their own household competently. For those who have served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel of the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Thank you, Jesus, for all you do. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake, and all God's people say. Now, you may be expecting a fairly long sermon today. Because you're going, there's a lot of qualifications, and he's going to start checking all of them off. We're going to be here until tomorrow. No. I look at the overall passage. Our question this morning is, what is Paul's point? How is this to be used, and can this be misused? Well, what is Paul's point? Paul's point is that deacons should be individuals of good character. That's Paul's point. It's pretty simple. He's saying it's not the individual qualities really in the list, but it's the list itself. It's not the trees, it's the forest. He wants us to look at these people and say, okay, is this the kind of person that needs to be there? He is saying look for individuals whose character speaks for itself. Remember, Timothy is serving in a place where people either didn't have character or they bought their character. Because the wealthy people in town, they put their money in the banks. They put their money in the bank of Artemis. And they would pay money to have their daughters serve as priestesses in the temple. And so they would buy their character. They would buy their place in line. And so here, Paul has said, hey, Timothy, deacons should have character that does not call them into question constantly. They shouldn't be a person that you always go, well... Did they really do that? When you hear something, you shouldn't go, well, I'm, I'm not going to check that out because it's probably true. Your first reaction should be, no, I, would, I don't believe that. I don't believe that person would do that. They should be people of their word who do the right regardless of who is watching. They should have that kind of integrity. They should be people of integrity who are consistent in their actions and their dealings. Paul says they should be people of strength who can be trusted, who can be leaned upon and followed. It's going to be people who aren't going to give a bad name to the church of Jesus. Deacons should be individuals of good character. Again, Paul's looking at this overall character of a person, but he gives this list. But the characteristics given for deacons aren't a checklist. Now y'all are going, ah, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is we shouldn't take all of these things and put them on a list and put someone's name at the top and go, yep, no. That's not, that's not what Paul's saying. Paul's not saying, get on the list, and if they miss it at one, they're done. That's not what Paul's saying. He is saying that a deacon is going to 
hit most of these. This is the kind of person. This is what's going on. He isn't saying he can better meet each of these criteria. He's saying these are the types of things that you should look for. Normally a person who meets most of these will meet all of them. But I don't think Paul meant this to use this as the be all end all list. I think he was saying this is the kind of person you want because Paul could have added a hundred other qualifications to this list that are equally valid. That if you look at the rest of his writings in the scripture, you can add to this list. They shouldn't be liars. They shouldn't be angry all the time. They shouldn't be jealous of everything. They should be compassionate. They should be wise. They should be practical. They should put others first. There's lots of things that can be added to this list. So I don't believe that Paul was saying, check this list off, make sure everything works exactly right. What he's saying is this is the kind of person you need to look for. The kind of person who has these qualities. This kind of person. He's writing a letter to his son in the faith who is struggling in, in one of the hardest churches that you can imagine to be in going, Dad, I, I, how do I pick people from this group? Y'all might be thinking the same thing. I don't know. How do I pick these people? How do I look at these people and say, they need to be a deacon. They need to be a leader. They need to be this. How do I do this? And Paul says all these things. But all of the qualities that Paul lists for deacons are present tense qualities. They're present tense qualities. They're qualities in the here and now. They're qualities of, of who a person is. Paul isn't saying that people chosen as deacons must always have been these things. This isn't a for their whole life type of statement. It's are they, the, are they these things now? There are three reasons for this. First, they're written in present tense in the Greek. That's how they're written. It doesn't say must, must have always been. It says they should be. It's a present tense thing. It's what's happening now. If, if I say Shiloh is mowing the yard, you wouldn't think that he mowed the yard yesterday. You would think he was mowing the yard now because it's a present tense thing. And so all of these things are present tense. The second is the context is key. He's writing to Timothy in Ephesus. A port town where Christianity is new. You wouldn't expect people who've never heard of Jesus before to always meet these qualities. You wouldn't expect people who live in a different culture who doesn't live, who don't live up to the, the, the same standards as Israel would do all of these things. You wouldn't expect them to always have been these things because most would be new converts. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. He wasn't the apostle to Israel. He was talking to people who never knew Jesus. And so if Paul were to go in there and say, now, Timothy, you're going to find somebody who's been worshiping at the temple of Artemis and has all the money in the bank there that's met all these qualifications all their life. That would be ridiculous. That's, that's not the way it works. Timothy was in a place of greed and debauchery and idolatry. So to think that these went all back over your entire life is crazy. But also, the third reason is that grace gets to shine when these are in the present tense. Paul was all about grace. For by grace you have been saved. He's all about grace. He said, I can't do anything in myself. 
He said, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees, but I'm also the chief of sinners. And I'm saved through faith in Jesus. He was all about grace, and grace shines when he's your present tense. How powerful is it when the person who was once an alcoholic is now sober and in control? Remember the testimonies in the videos from the Gideons last week? Those men who were talking about how they were in prison and the man comes by and gives them a Bible and prays with them and walks away. And now one's a seminary professor and one's an inner city pastor. That is grace. Because you know they were once some of these things that they were in prison. You know that they were once these things. And so these things are present tense because grace will show. God would never make your past keep you from serving. That would negate the gospel. That would say that the gospel will get you into heaven, but it doesn't change you in the here and now. That's a weak gospel. If gospel only gets me into heaven, if the gospel only gets me there, it's not changing my life. It's not the gospel of Jesus because the gospel of Jesus changes us in the here and now. The gospel of Jesus ushers in the kingdom of God. God is in the business of redemption and transformation. So these characteristics have to be present tense. Who a person is today matters who they, more than who they were in all of their yesterdays. What they live like now is what it is. Jesus said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies come, never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. It's very telling that in Ephesians, Paul says multiple times, formerly you were separated from Christ. Formerly you were in the darkness. Formerly you were not in the faith. But now you are children of God. Now you are a new creation. Now things are different. God uses those who were formerly wretches and castaways and looked over and trampled on and thrown out for service in His kingdom. He uses all of them because these are present tense qualities. But here's one that's really important to remember. Nobody will completely fulfill everything in this list all the time. Did you know that deacons are sinners? Uh, uh, some of the deacons are glaring at me now, so you know. Deacons are sinners. Sometimes they're going to mess up. Sometimes they're going to be mad. Sometimes they... they they may be a little greedier than they need to be. Sometimes they may do something that somebody else says hypocritical. Sometimes they're going to fail at these things. But the gospel doesn't say, are you perfect all the time? The gospel says, do you rely upon Jesus to help you walk and try to maintain the life you want you to maintain? Are you putting your mind on things above? Are you doing the things that need to be done? Paul isn't saying find perfect people. He's saying find people who strive towards perfection. That's a good one. You should write that down. That, that, should, that should have been my point, honestly. He's not saying to look for perfect people. He doesn't want perfect people. He wants people who strive towards perfection. Who strive to be who Jesus wants them to be. Paul himself describes his struggles in Romans 7. He says, I do what I don't want to do. And I don't do what I want to do. I'm a total failure at trying to do the right thing. But Jesus in me makes me who he wants me to be. That's my paraphrase. That's what he says though. He says, I struggle 
of our New Testament. And if he struggled with it, I guarantee you any deacon we call is going to struggle with it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know anybody in the church has ever raised somebody from the dead. Show of hands. Paul did. Paul healed the sick. He raised the dead. He said, I failed. I failed every day. Philippians 3, verses 12 and 14 say, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press hard to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to take hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. If Paul had not arrived, if Paul still struggled with the sinful man inside, nobody will ever constantly and continually fulfill this. <clears throat> so what does that mean for us? When you're praying over who to put on a ballot. Do not let someone's past or one failure keep them from being used by God. Who are they today? That's especially important in a small town. Right? Because, you know, old so-and-so's son, well, we know him. We know all the trouble he used to be in, okay? Keyword used to be. It's easy to, to get caught up in what we think we know sometimes. We could spend much more time on this passage and examine every characteristic given in the list, but I don't think there's really a need. I think, like I said, what Paul meant this is an overall guy. This is the type of person that we should watch. This is the type of person that needs to be in this office. Not, oh, yes, yes, yes. No, not every chick at every. Because Paul even himself made it. He doesn't check every he doesn't check everything. Over this next week, read through this text as a guide to look for individuals that God has laid upon your heart to fulfill the role of deacon within our congregation. One thing I'll say as a word of caution: don't add words or ideas to the text. There are a lot of people. We want to add words in this text. They're not there. Read the text for what it is. And hear what it is that God is saying. Maybe this morning. You have been.
Maybe this morning you want to serve missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe you've sat in church your entire life and you've never really taken the step to say, I want to know Jesus. Now would be a great time to do it. Wherever you're at this morning, whatever you need to give it to him.